first still we see in this final 20 of Return of the Jedi is Luke igniting his lightsaber, clashing blades with Vader, who's protecting Palpatine, and Palpatine maniacally laughing at the spark of Luke's anger. Uh, and I think we very quickly cut back to the battle ensuing on Endor. Yep, we quickly cut back to the Battle of Endor where Chewie and some Ewoks uh, fight uh, some ATSTs and actually take one over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, cut back to uh, the bridge of, uh, I guess, the Palpatine's ship where he's sitting on his throne, continuing to taunt Luke. Uh, Luke is insisting, I'll never be turned. Uh, use your your anger, you could be so strong with us. Kind of the same repetition we've been having all along, but now it's actually enacted with a lightsaber duel, which is heated. Yeah, so the taunting doesn't come quite yet. This is Vader and Luke. The taunting's a little bit after that. Uh, Vader's winded, too. Oh, the, the fight! The fight's phenomenal. There's a great back and forth. Uh, it does get to a point where Vader uses saber throw for the first time, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, Luke goes into hiding at one point, and Vader tries to taunt him to bring him out. It's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal sequence. Uh, but back on Endor, uh, the uh, Han pretends to be an ATST pilot uh, because Chewie kind of brings the ATST over like a good faithful dog does to his master. Look what I did. <laughs> and Han gets inside and convinces the Empire to come out. And that's their way of finally breaking into the station. Uh, they go in, they set a bunch of explosives and blow the damn thing up. Back uh, on the, the Emperor's deck, uh, Luke has kind of struck down Vader, not killed him, but he now has the higher ground for the lack of a less annoying expression. Uh, and Palpatine is urging Luke to kill Vader and take his place as his uh, Padawan. Luke says, no, never. And Palpatine, so uh, he says, okay, then you'll have to die. And the force lightning happens. Exactly. Uh, Luke chooses the pacifist approach. He chooses not to fight after he releases a little bit of dark side and chops off his dad's mechanical hand. And in the process, by showing compassion and showing the light side of the force being the right way to go and ultimately throwing down his weapon that is enough to convince his father that you know what i shouldn't let this old man continue to electrocute my son i'm gonna throw this old man down a really big reactor so but as, up. as that happens of course he receives a very enormous amount of force lightning from like direct contact he himself is mostly made of metal and that is going to be his undoing there's a huge eruption of evil force uh that kind of blows back after the murdering of palpatine and uh luke uh, kind of commits to dragging his father hopefully to his rescue yes he brings him to the entrance of his shuttle and they have a quick exchange because anakin realizes that he is right about to die and he wants Luke to take off his Vader mask so he can finally look upon his son with his own eyes. They have a ex nice exchange where Vader admits that Luke was right and that he wants to make sure he tells that to his sister as well. And then Vader dies, and we cut away to what's happening up in the sky where Lando, as gold leader, is leading the, the squadron uh, into the fray of the Death Star, and it's some of the best effects we have ever seen in an action sequence in the original Star Wars trilogy. It is spectacularly well done. Uh, and uh, as we of course know, uh, there's a whole lot of chaos and uh, it doesn't go great for some of the good guys, but ultimately they get the job done, the shield goes down, and they blow up the big bad Death Star. 
Death Star 2 is no more. Wedge and Lando fly out of there, and everybody's happy. We cut to a sequence where there's a celebration on Endor, and then they show a few other celebrations. Uh, We see that... Oh, sorry. Right before this, Han and Leia have a a small exchange where Leia finally tells the truth about Luke being her brother. We'll get into that. And Han sees, like, he's finally got his window. And then, of course, we see this big celebration at the end. And then uh, Luke says, kind of does his little nod to his three force ghosts, and we get our credits. Can we talk first about that hilarious exchange between Leia and Han? Mm-hmm. He, they look up at the sky. The Death Star has just blown. He says, I'm sure Luke was not on there as a kind of way to reassure Leia. And she's like, I know. I can feel him. And then he says, You love him, don't you? Yes. Yes, which is very coy and annoying. Yeah, that's not a nice thing to say to a guy who you've been very... Well, actually, you know what? She hasn't. No, no, she, has, she hasn't led him on. Well, man, especially in the recent element, he's just been so skeptical that the princess would go for a guy like him. Right. As right, he said from the beginning. But... It, it's no, just, no. <laughs> it's some of, it's, it's hilarious and adorable. It like, is. Like when he says, All right, I understand. Fine. When he comes back, I won't get in the way. That's kind of sweet. But then the look on his face when she's like, you don't understand, he's my brother, is some of the worst acting we've ever seen Harrison Ford do. It it's is. so goofy. But that's, that's kind of what's good about it. Because Han is a character who we do see the goofy side from him, yep. but only when he's at his inability to control himself. He's a goofy character, and True. it's just a kind of a front he's putting up. So a lot of the time when shit's going wrong, Han's goofy just by accident. And here's an instance where he's just kind of shocked and flabbergasted. So he's got, he's got nothing really... To, it's almost like his happy dance with a smirk almost. But he's yet another person who for some reason doesn't have any follow-up questions upon learning that Luke and Leia are brothers and sisters. No, that's true. He, I mean, he's kind of flabbergasted the way other people are. But he doesn't say, like, what do you mean, like, literally brothers and sisters? Because that would be your first instinct. You'd be like, yeah, I know he seems like a brother to you. No, 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 he's literally my brother. Well, hang on, lady. This opens up a lot of questions. Like, so, you're telling me when the kid said we're going to rescue a princess, he was going to rescue his sister all along. Yeah. And that he's just been, you guys have been met. Like, Han would think that it was all a sick joke that they've been doing to him this entire time. I have reason to believe the entire Star Wars story is a sick joke against the Solos. (laughs) (laughs) This is very tough on Han. It really is. (laughs) But then again, things go pretty well for the next 25 well next 20 years 25 years well while we're on the subject of solo and this is a little bit all over the map but one of the things that kind of sparks luke's rage when he's convening with the bad guys uh in one of palpatine's torments is uh if you cannot be turned then perhaps your sister will be actually i think that's Vader's a Vader taunt yeah yeah you have a you have a twin sister uh if you cannot be turned then perhaps she can be and he's like no and we get one of our great star wars no's yeah never i think he screams it's, it is never um, same amount of drama, same melodrama as a no. Well, it's such an Anakin moment. Yes. Uh, I love the way he fights against Vader from that point on because he fights the exact way Anakin fights. Spastically? Uh, with just intense force yeah. and power yeah. and strike. I forget the, the form of lightsaber fighting that Anakin was specifically good at, but it, it your specific strength goes on force it's not dualistic it's just no it's the reason why he was the only one who could beat count dooku because count dooku was the best 
lightsaber duelist in the entire galaxy. Best swordsman. Best swordsman. Mace yeah. Windu, you could also make the argument for. But the only reason someone could beat a guy like Dooku or Windu would be out of surprise in the case of Windu's case. Right. And for Dooku, just because pure force. Oh. Although he didn't have, no one had the skill to beat Dooku. You could overpower him. You could go faster. You could go faster and harder. And that's what Luke does in this scene. It's just, it's an untrained. Like the fighting when Anakin, right before he kills Dooku, I really see a lot of parallels. Interesting. uh, Between those two. It's just one is very refined from someone who's been a polished Jedi and like king through the Clone Wars. Right. And then someone who's really has minimal lightsaber training. But still does pretty well and ends up actually taking down the guy with all the training. <laughs> so here's a parallel I found in in reference to Solo. He says, uh, if you cannot be turned, then perhaps your sister can be. Luke freaks out. And of course, we know Leia isn't turned to the dark side at any point in her life. But her son is. Mm-hmm. And so like that is, in fact, where the dark side picks back up in the Skywalker lineage. Yeah. Now, obviously, I love the story uh, of these current... Uh, the, the movies that we're getting now from Disney, the sequel trilogy, for the lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't it kind of undo the poetry of the end of this movie? Where in episode one of Phantom Menace, which we're going to explore very, very soon, Qui-Gon predicts accurately that Anakin Skywalker will bring balance to the for- Force and rid the galaxy of the dark side, which he doesn't do until the final moments of Return of the Jedi by killing the Emperor. I will Emperor. correct you there. Okay. He says he will bring balance to the Force. By bringing the Jedi back? He said, he, that's, the, that's the argument. Bringing balance to the Force, what does that mean? But what was the imbalance of, in the Force in the times of, in the Old Republic? Like, there was no, there was people everywhere. Well, that's the argument is how do you interpret the prophecy? And that's the whole point with Star Wars on these prophecies. They're supposed to be misinterpreted. The characters aren't supposed to know them. The characters are supposed to get them wrong. And even we're supposed to get them wrong, kind of. So with the case of like the chosen one, all of the Jedi just assume balance to the force means no Sith. But you're absolutely right on the notion of that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when there were no Sith. Or they thought there were no Sith already. Right. That logic doesn't really align. It's also just better poetry. It's better storytelling if ultimately what Qui-Gon saw in Anakin was true, even if there was a whole lot of bullshit in the middle. Well, no, it it absolutely was. Anakin does bring balance to the Force. Right, but then the dark side comes back. No, 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 that's the balance to the Force. Uh, No, it's not. No, 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 but no, Anakin brings balance back. That's the thing. He wipes out the incredible imbalance that the Jedi have created. He brings it down to a simple light and dark the way that the Jedi no longer was. He was the chosen one to return it to its roots. I guess. He brings it. It's, re- it's really simple at this point. He removes all the hundreds and thousands of Jedi across the galaxy and really we're left with a couple of each. I guess. I mean, it still leaves the Snoke question, which I realize is getting us like months and months ahead of schedule, but like... Ultimately, if the Emperor's gone and Vader dies a good guy, where was the dark side lying dormant for all of this time? Yeah. Well, that's why I like the notion of Luke's explanation of the Force in The Last Jedi. Yeah. I really think it blends well with uh, the notion of the Chosen One prophecy aligning more to a balance that is equal in light and dark and not just like overwhelming light. Right. I think it's kind of nice in, in the way that they've picked that up in the sequel trilogy so i think they're doing a good job in that regard in keeping and 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 not kind of 
disrespecting the end of the, of the Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. that does with Otodote and the saga. You can you can end the saga on Return of the Jedi, and it's wonderful. Yeah, you can keep going with the sequel trilogy, and I'm loving the sequel trilogy. It's great, but like you said, it is a nice wrap up. Well, I think even more so the character of Luke, who was not trained in any kind of traditional academic Jedi context, uh, and in fact became the first Jedi after the extinction of the Jedi. Uh, he represents balance in that it's not like he's evening out the two sides so that we're on, so it's an even playing field. He is creating this person who has a moral compass, but isn't uh, dogmatic mm-hmm. and isn't rigid. Because that's the problem with the Jedi Council is they're so rigid. Yep, and, and that's the way I interpret it. Uh, I don't know, and I don't believe there's anywhere uh, in canon what the actual meaning of the prophecy is. I don't believe it is. Well, that's to be explored then. Oh, no, I think that's the point, though. That was, I believe, what Lucas was going for, and then it's not necessarily... Like, you don't need to make that as, as obvious, although in the Clone Wars, it's absolutely Anakin's the Chosen One. That yeah. part you don't need to debate about. Right. He's the Chosen One, and... I don't get the arguments anyone has for Luke. Well, that's um, that's canon. What? Clone Wars. Well, yeah, but there are tons, and that's the thing, like Obi-Wan in Rebels, for example. He believes Luke is the chosen one. Right. He no longer believes Anakin's the chosen one. Okay. Well, because so, he's lost faith in exactly. Anakin. Yeah. And so that's what's really great. The prophecy is different at all times to different people, and it can be interpreted in so many ways. I like the view. Such is life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and that and that's what they go for. So yeah. that's that's the way I like to interpret it as being Anakin really did bring balance by wiping out all the Jedi and balance in this instance. Probably balance is a good thing by the Jedi's bad eye, like order. The Jedi order was terrible at that yeah. point, but killing a bunch of people who were peacekeepers wasn't a good thing. Now that, uh, that was Anakin just misinterpreting and Palpatine kind of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Manipulating what Anakin's interpretation of the prophecy could be. Do you think that this movie, Return of the Jedi, actually achieved... I and mean, we've talked a lot about this in the last six weeks. Do you think they actually achieved making Luke morally ambiguous like they clearly intended to? Because I don't. I think they missed the mark. Uh, I, I really can't answer that. I, can, I, mean, I, I, think, I can't be objective. I think it's hard. I know it's hard. I mean, he didn't have a lightsaber that was either blue or red. And he wore black, which is kind of confusing. And I know there's some like myth that Mark Hamill wanted to don the the Vader mask after Vader dies to keep the mythology alive. I don't think that's a myth. Well, and Mark Hamill had a lot of weird ideas about he the did. direction of Luke Skywalker. But um, I think that like he's he's so... He's never actually seduced he's never even tempted is really the word that would have been kind of nice if there was a time i don't know if it's at the end of empire strikes back or when it had to be but where he actually was thinking about it i know what you mean but the temptation is there there is when he's hiding in the dark that's what the emperor and vader are taunting him with yeah. they feel his dark side and that's why he's hiding he's like i don't like i don't want to use this i don't want to i don't want to unleash the dark side here right and he's scared and you can see the fear on his face it's mark hamill's best acting in the entire saga yep uh except for in the last jedi which is his actual best acting now before we get into quotes i want to ask you my padawan question what are emperor palpatine's last words who palpatine's last words last thing he says before dying so be it, Jedi. Nope. Is that it? 
No? No, it's not. That's what he says kind of before the, the chaos ensues. Like, that's where he finally realizes he's not turning Luke, so be a Jedi. The last thing he says to... Uh, oh, is it the line he says about um, your lack of vision? That's a good line, too. Uh, I have that written here somewhere. Yeah, you're uh, right. I forgot He says, it. your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. You have paid... F- for you have paid the price for your lack of vision, which is kind of a cool line. Yeah, here's another one after that. The, the thing he says after that is what I think we have to title this episode. Now, young Skywalker, you will die. I am a Jedi like my father before mm, me is no. what we are titling this episode. No. I, think, I think now, young Skywalker, you will die has more layers in what happened overall in this. Oh, that's, a, that's a, not a great line. I think so be it Jedi is also a decent. I think so be it Jedi is a great line. Yeah. I love that one. But I absolutely, I think that is one of the best lines of Luke in the entire damn. (laughs) So corny. It is corny, but you know what? Luke's a corny character. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And it really is a power line. Yeah. You you also hinted on, uh, just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. Yeah. I I, I love that it it brings back Anakin even more. Yeah. And although I, I don't believe Return of the Jedi was referring to Anakin at all, I do love that thought, if like if you can kind of headcanon it being about Anakin, yeah. Uh, so I really like that. You mean and like my father before me? Yeah, that's oh. why I think that it carries a lot of weight. Like it's it's Luke, not just it, it's further cementing. No, that's he, why he saw the light in Vader. That's why and, I like now, young Skywalker, you will die. The young, the original young Skywalker was Anakin. I, I know what you mean. Give me your Padawan question. Uh, name every planet shown at the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, that's tough. I don't think I got the first one. They do. They cut to Tatooine next, and then very quickly to Naboo, and then to Coruscant, where they're very humorously uh, taking down a Sheev Palpatine statue. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. They're like pulling it down with some ropes. It's really funny. The Gungans celebrating. Oh, are they Gungans? Yeah. On Coruscant? Oh, no, sorry. The Coruscant one. No, they're Gungans on Naboo. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're celebrating so what was the on first top one? of the tower. What was the first one they cut to? Cloud City or something? You got it. Yeah. Nice, I got one. There you go. <laughs> Do you want to ask a night question? Sure, sure. How many years after the Battle of Endor is Rey born? Okay, so Rey is the same age as Luke in A New Hope. So Rey's 19 in The Force Awakens. And it's a 30-year difference, so 11. That's correct. It is. I didn't know it was exactly 30 years. I kind of thought that was just like a ballpark. No, it's it's kind of nice that it's a like a 30 years, uh, whereas the other one is 19. It would be nice if Luke was 20 in A New Hope. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice and tidy. But it's like one year between Empire Strikes Back and Jedi, I think, right? One, be- uh, one between A New Hope and Empire and one or two between Empire and Jedi. I'm not... Uh, no, it, it, it's, it's less than one even on that one. Jedi it's, Knight question. Uh, Jedi Knight question would be... Uh, what's the last line of the movie? Uh, I'm inclined to think it's Leia's brother line. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. He's my brother. Yeah, it is. That's so funny. It's the last line in all of Star Wars. Yeah, I was really struggling to come up with trivia questions. It's kind of tough. I found they like I could come up with a bunch of like super easy ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, when and we've said a lot about how the Ewoks. They've, I mean, they're fine, but they shouldn't be so strong. Yeah. When they released those two big logs that swung counter into either side of that ATST mm-hmm. and it blew up, I actually thought that was dope and I bought it. I thought that that was pretty impressive too. However, I was 
I don't know if I've noticed the George of the Jungle scream ever before. Yeah. But when the two Ewoks, oh, that was bad. Yeah. And uh, when the ATST does the little, like, leg uh, move, like it's like tripping over the logs, that's really, really corny. And then it falls over and explodes. Yeah, there's some heavy explosions. There's some really over-the-top explosions. Like when the station explodes... Every Ewok and Rebel would have died. Yeah. That explosion was massive. Yeah, well, and my favorite explosion was when that ship kind of kamikazes into the Imperial Bridge. Yeah, that's great. It's great, but then there's like a weird slow-mo. It's only for like half a frame, but there's like a weird slow-mo before they cut, and it ruins the explosion for me. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't notice that. It's just like, and slow-mo's never utilized, and there's lots of corny editing effects that are acceptable in Star Wars and Star Wars alone, but that particular one looks really out of, out of place because slow-mo is never used in Star Wars. No, that's true. Yeah, It's there's very a, 80s. Yeah, well, there's definitely certain kind of things that uh, would not be used in, today, <laughs> in today's no. movie-making go-about. But, and that's the thing. Star Wars introduces new things all the time, so it's interesting you mentioned slow-mo there and flashbacks in The Last Jedi, and who knows what they'll introduce in Episode Nine consistently they find some new way to show us something the force can do almost every single movie i mean you mentioned yeah. saber throw yep uh and force lightning i think right oh absolutely Force lightning must have blown people's gourds when they saw that for the first time oh i can't imagine that must have been a total game changer yeah and is it ever deflected with a lightsaber in revenge uh, return of the jedi no see like when that's later done that's even cooler uh yeah that's pretty cool the first time we see it in uh the prequels is Attack the Clones. With, is it? With Dooku. Yeah. Oh, Dooku does Force Lightning? Yeah, Dooku does a Force Lightning to Obi-Wan. He absorbs, it, he absorbs it with his lightsaber. I kind of prefer if only Palpatine can do Force Lightning. No, Palpatine and Dooku can both do Force Lightning. Especially and... if, if, especially Ross. I mean, we talked last week about how Palpatine thinks he's above lightsabers. He doesn't even need yeah. them to be strong. And you just finished talking about how Dooku is a great swordsman. Mm -hmm. Like, the sword should be his weapon. He shouldn't have this other thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I definitely... I, I get your point on kind of lightning being, like, the primo thing. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. There's not that many Sith that there were the options for. Uh, we've in movies we've seen Dooku and we've seen Sidious. They both use lightning. Yeah. Vader doesn't have hands, so he can't use lightning. True. Uh, oh no, he has one hand. But you sure? He has, yeah, he does. He just right. has one hand. That's he all he has. To pull himself up the beach a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a mouth full of cereal honey nut cheerios <laughs> like popping out of his lips like uh, gross son of a bitch but uh what was i saying uh force lightning we're talking oh about yeah force lightning. lightning so yeah. he wasn't he loves his force choke uh and he's only got one good hand so vader doesn't need to use it yeah. and maul was never polished enough uh or strong enough with the force to use it so like, that now we're at sith I guess. There's not that many people we could have chosen. No, between. I just think that Force Lightning and should then be Snoke. exclusive. Snoke. Snoke's a, a beast with it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's he's his that's Force Lightning was was very cool in The Last Jedi. I'm gonna give the accidental British award to Luke in this twenty. Oh, he the accidental a, British award. He used a little bit when he called the Emperor your Highness, which by the way, can we unpack that a little bit? Uh Sure. It's the only time we ever hear uh, that particular terminology applied to the emperor, which, of course, is a monarchical term. Mm -hmm. uh, but your highness is like, is it a, 
is it a backward respect from Luke? Is it uh, condescending? Like not condescending, but is I it see it as like not condescending, sarcastic. But, but yeah, sarcastic kind of in that way. Uh, his his snap back sort of. Yeah, like your highness, uh, right? Kind of so, like as much as you think you have the power over me, I'm just throwing away my lightsaber here. I'm giving you the power. You don't have it over me. It's just like, you don't have it over me or my father anymore. I just feel like they kind of gave Luke this new Stentorian way of talking when he's supposed to be brave in Return of the Jedi. Because, like, if you compare the way he talks in this movie to A New Hope, like, he's not whiny anymore, hmm. which is a good thing. Yeah. Because he's matured emotionally, a too. Lot. But his voice changes as a result. Like, that's kind of how they show that he's grown. He, like, speaks in fuller sentences and more slowly and measured. And it's just, well, I don't think he'd verbally mature that way. Well, that's kind of something i get okay and i think that makes a, a little bit of sense in that they're trying to make him more like alec guinness showing that someone would be more in tune with themselves uh calm uh, able to like almost someone who meditates clearly someone who's more one with the force yeah and his ability to kind of speak uh without really a care mm -hmm. I, I i kind of attribute it to that okay so that's why I kind of I like it. That's I, I do like Luke in this bit. As someone who criticizes Luke a lot, uh, this I, I am a fan of Luke in this scene for obvious reasons. The moment where he is being blasted with Force lightning, and you mentioned in your recap how uh, Vader kind of comes to realize that this is wrong, and he has to do something about this. He doesn't like seeing his son in anguish. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know who to credit with this, the creator of the uh, most extraordinary costume in film history. Uh, the actor in the costume who can't be seen. I know what you're going to say. But they somehow conveyed tremendous empathy on Darth Vader, even though he has a literally stone face. I know. I really think that's... Uh... I don't know how they did it. Is it a camera angle, maybe? No, I think it's David Prowse. Yeah? No, I Shoulders? Think, I, to be honest, I think it's an example of why he doesn't get enough recognition. Yeah. Uh, he's a phenomenal actor for what he brought to the presence of Darth Vader Which is physically. everything. Which is everything. Yeah, well, not everything. James Earl Jones with right. the voice no, you're right. was you're a right. lot. But it, but it means a lot. Absolutely. And we all love... But the thing is, though, we all saw what we did in, in like Rogue One, for example. Such a badass Vader. And it can be done by other people. But that's not really the point. And, like, for example, like that's an incredible acting. Like you said... He's basically wearing a bucket on his head, and you feel you can feel the he's, way he's feeling. You, you can, can feel, feel the conflict. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's beautiful. I think he deserves uh, near as much credit as James Earl Jones for helping to craft that character. I do too. That is iconic. And you, you mentioned he doesn't get enough credit, right down to the fact that he doesn't even get to play unmasked mm -hmm. Darth Vader. They give it to this guy named Sebastian Shaw, who plays dying Vader yep. and also Force Ghost uh, Anakin. David Prowse was told he was going to get to be. That the sucks. Face. Yeah, I know. And I've seen his face. He could have done it. Was he too old? Um, no, he's because Sebastian Shaw is pretty Sc old. He's Scottish, so they wouldn't have been able to use his voice. Oh, uh, they could have worked that out. No kidding, they could have worked <laughs> that out. Easy. Darth Maul, they didn't use his voice. Or he just put on a voice. He's an actor. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, there's so <laughs> many different ways. We also just hire. Oh, let's. Uh, you know what? We need someone who looks ancient. Mm. Let's hire this 39 year old to play this yeah. ancient emperor. Yeah. They were able to do things. It's, I feel bad for David Price. He's still alive, right? Yep, he's still alive. Uh, he loves Darth Vader and loves Star Wars. That's and, nice. Uh, and has been great to fans. And He, however, does not get along with Lucasfilm or uh, Star Wars management. 
That's interesting. So there were, I think, some issues with him and George Lucas. Well, I wonder what that could have been. I know. <laughs> yeah, so it, I, he's not someone who's... Uh, who's gen- I, I, I forget what... There was a good documentary on him as well. He's probably uh, getting up there now, too. Yeah, he's pretty old. Yeah. But he is someone who... Uh, who, who loves the fact that he was Darth Vader, which I think is really cool. Oh, my God. Anybody who got to do that gets to own that forever. That's Even Jake Lloyd. Sure he does. Yeah. I hope he does. Well, <laughs> I hope unfortunately, I... He's, I don't think he's doing that a whole lot at the moment. No, but... no he's had a hard young life, but I, I hope he can come to peace with that. Yeah, that would be good. a pretty rare honor, and people would appreciate it. Uh, that scene where Vader dies is a lot more heartbreaking than I remember ever noticing it to be. Yeah. It's like pretty... It's pretty sad. Yeah, Luke's crying. Luke has a tear. Yeah. Although it does, he doesn't form the tear on camera. No, they I know. Cut away to him and then there's a tear. Yeah. So the reprise of the famous I love you, I know line. Great. I love you. I know. Hands up! Flipped in the other direction between Leia and Han. Uh, that's, that's charming. What it says to me is that they knew even then, just a couple of years after making that first movie, that already that line was a meme. Mm-hmm. Well, not a meme, but they knew that it was going to be a powerful line. It was a line that uh, George Lucas... Uh, was it George Lucas? Yeah, Lucas and Kasdan. Eh, Kasdan didn't like it. Okay. And... Because he didn't write it. He didn't like it either time. Well, I don't remember. Uh, I don't... I, he probably was fine with it the second time, but yeah. he, he didn't write it the first time. Didn't like it. He liked what he had initially written, and I think Harrison Ford asked, like, Lucas, could I say this instead? And George Lucas was like, yeah, that, that, that works. I'm fine Why with that. Why wouldn't he like it? Because I think he really he, he the lines that he wrote for Han he thought were some of his best writing in the movie. I can appreciate that, but objectively, it's a good line, and I actually think it speaks to Han very well. Oh, I think it's an it will we obviously know. it's one of the best lines in all of Star Wars. Yeah, it is. So I don't know. Maybe it's because he, well, Han's Lawrence Kasdan's favorite character, okay. and if he thought it was one of the most important lines Han delivered, I can get why that would bug Lawrence Kasdan uh, to have Harrison Ford replace the line with something that he wanted. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. We mentioned the shockwave that barrels up from the pit after uh, Palpatine is killed. This big blue wave of energy, which is supposed to, I guess, represent the dark side kind of extinguishing their great light. Does that make sense? Uh, like, is that the dark side kind of blowing up? From... Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's... It should have been, shouldn't it have been red? Uh, I don't I think I don't think it's... I, I see that as... It was the color of his lightning. Yeah. So I see it almost like going back to the notion of the emperor not being like a real person. Yeah. So like almost like he evaporated into an explosion of his own lightning. Yeah. No, I like all of what you're saying. Yeah. But maybe the lightning should have been red. Maybe. Oh, I, I, actually, that makes a lot of sense. I think the lightning should have been red. That's that's a good point. My only other but, thing. Oh, I was about to say uh, TIE fighters, for example. They shoot green lasers. And yeah. X-Wings shoot red lasers. It's oh, not all consistent. No, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'm getting a little bit too hung up on the colors because Star Wars kind of inclines you to do that. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't Although really red matter. lightning would look pretty awesome, so I get why you would say that. <laughs> it's ominous. Well, I mean, you could you could reason that the blaster on a TIE fighter is just technology, Yeah. but it's energy and force if it comes from the Emperor's fingertips. And so the color matters a little bit more, symbolically. And also, I believe X-Wings and TIE Fighters are made by the same company in the Star Wars universe. Right, Apple. General Motors. (laughs) I don't know the name of the company. (laughs) Amazing. I know. One more nitpicky thing. Corellian Shipping Company. (laughs) Of course. uh, Which is uh, just like a filmmaker decision, which was done strategically. I'm just not sure I would have done the same thing. Uh, When 
Vader, as Anakin Skywalker, breathes his final breath, and he dies in Luke's arms. The score is a very subtle, acoustic, maybe harp uh, version of the Imperial March mm-hmm. playing in the background. A very soft, gentle version of the Imperial March, which is, of course, the song of evil, mm-hmm. of the dark side, of badness in Star Wars. And I know it's significant and specific to Darth Vader, who has just passed away, and that entity, but... I think it was symbolically wrong to use the bad guy music at the death of the great good guy. I won't leave you. I completely agree. I don't pick up on the the music kind of the same way. Uh, That's something where I'll notice if I'm looking for it, like if I yeah. go in maybe like the first time I've like, like the last time I watched the, the last Jedi, for example, I paid, I paid more attention to the music than I had any of the other previous viewings, just because I wanted to kind of pay, like, see where the songs that I love are, are coming back up and, right. and things like that. So that's something I didn't even notice that, but I completely agree with you. That should not have been the song choice at all. And it's much sweeter than we've ever heard the Imperial March. Like it's, it's, it's wistful. It's not, uh, menacing like that song is supposed to be but it still feels uh thematically wrong to use that song yeah no i definitely agree and, I, and that's something that in retrospect i think everyone would mostly agree on my master question for you is not specific to this 20 it's just kind of general return of the jedi and mm-hmm. star wars in general trivia question for you sure how is yoda's death different from the death of every other jedi in star wars how is Yoda's death different? I have a specific answer, but anything you can come up with that's true, I'll accept. Well, it's not a fair question because... Oh, no, Yoda is in the 20s, so fair enough. That is a fair question. Um, At least in the eight existing Star Wars movies, how is his death different from the death of any other Jedi in a Star Wars movie? He dies of old age. Natural causes. Yeah. It makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, it would have been so much worse for the Yoda storyline if he had to die a martyr. Oh, yeah. You can't kill Yoda. I would not have been okay with that as a kid. It never would have worked. Yeah. And that, and I th- I, that always goes back to the reason why, like, Yoda and R2 when I was a little kid. Because mm-hmm. they were the only ones small like me. Yeah. And so you don't want those characters to die. Well, this, the great tragedy of Yoda's life is he had to spend so much time alone. That's We don't true. need extra tragedy on Yoda. Well, part of the great tragedy of Yoda's life is that he... Failed? Was, well, yeah. Yeah. All he did was good. Yeah. And he failed. Yeah. And that's that's what makes the character so phenomenal is that he's still able, he was able to train Luke enough to, to keep it going. Right. Right. Uh, my master question, who does Richard Marquand play in this movie? No kidding. The director of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in this 20? He was in this 20. Uh, okay, who might... He was one of the, the red soldiers, maybe? No. No? That's a reasonable guess, though. That would have been fun. That's who I would have put myself as. No, he gets the uh, the shit kicked out of him, and he gets murdered by the two Ewoks who jump in his <laughs> ATST. Okay. Yeah, so he's one of the two drivers. He's not the one who's thrown off. He's the one who's clobbered inside. Nice. <laughs> nice. How come JJ hasn't put himself in a Star Wars movie? Maybe he will for episode nine. I don't know. It's a good point. Ryan Johnson was in Rogue One. And Gareth Edwards was in The Last Jedi. That's right, yeah. Uh, Ryan Johnson's face wasn't in Rogue One. He had one of those big uh, laser operator helmets on, the ridiculous oh. black visor ones. Yeah. And so I, th- he, I think he blew up Jedi, maybe. <laughs> Do you have any more observations about this 20 or this movie in general you want to make? 
we we said a, a, a few uh, uh, criticisms a few weeks ago, like this movie doesn't have a middle act, which I still think is true. But the final act of this movie is sensational, and the last two weeks of viewing have been so fun. It's like it's really it's it's it, it's a true testament, I think, to the legacy of Star Wars and the yearning for it to come back since the prequels mm-hmm. and to come back at all before the prequels. It really speaks a little bit to, I think, the last 40 minutes of Return of the Jedi, who really resolved it well. Yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal sequence. And I, I kind of equate it similar to Rogue One in that way, where, well, not so much, because Rogue One, for me, I, the third act is is phenomenal. It's yeah. just, it's it's phenomenal, but the first two really do lack yeah. comparatively. Whereas this, there are parts in that first, in that first half on Jabba's sail barge that are as good or pretty damn close to the rest of Return of the End. Yeah. It's just kind of that lull in the middle yep. where it's that 20 minutes that we focused on the Ewoks, make that five minutes, and Return of the Jedi is um, is a, is definitely a, a better movie. It's yeah. definitely a better movie, more up there with uh, Empire and New Well, Hope. and it was like 10 minutes longer than the other two movies anyway, so it had 10 minutes to lose. Yep, and then uh, there, was, there was a few other things they added in, and actually let's chat about those. Uh, Hayden Christensen, for example. Yeah. Uh, do you know uh, how they filmed that? No, they didn't. Okay, they took him from something else? They took his test footage, and they superimposed his face on Sebastian Shaw's body. Oh, that's weird. Hayden Christensen was so confused when he first saw it, and he asked George Lucas, why didn't you just get me to film Yeah, Because <laughs> he would have, obviously. Right. I I'm on your payroll. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And it's Lucas just trying for people to not know what he's doing. Yeah. yeah he's, he really should have been a novelist. Yeah. Honestly, Almost. if he wanted to keep all the secrets to himself and then put a thing out that was completely his idea, he should have wrote books. Yeah. Because... He liked putting out the, the fake stuff, though. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of get it. But, like, that is so silly. Ultimately, I know people have an issue with Hayden Christensen turning up in the end of this movie. It's not perfect because, I mean, it, I guess that's the idea. That's when mm. Anakin died as a young man. Mm. But he kind of comes back as an older man. Yeah, but he, Obi-Wan and Yoda don't know him. And the newly introduced canon way is that because they were the, they were the only two really who knew how to create themselves as forest ghosts, that they almost they were essentially the ones who created and trained Anakin to create himself as a force ghost. Oh, okay, yeah. So you don't have an issue with it being Hayden Christensen? No, I don't have an issue with it at all. I, I think it's I think it's better because I don't think we do not need that version of Sebastian Shaw. No, Sebastian Shaw. We've never seen him with hair. No. So we don't need another version of the same Anakin. Just give me give me an Anakin I know. Well, that's right. It just creates another, yet another person playing this character. Yeah, which is just weird. It's very strange. Now, I obviously have no issue at all with the cutaways to Naboo or Coruscant being added in. No, I think those uh, are great. I think Tatooine's is also yep. added in too, right? Those are great. All they re- the only I believe those were added in at different points. Oh, okay. I believe... Uh, in the like the ninety, yeah, maybe not in the ninety. One of the releases, I think. Well, not Naboo. No, I think one of the releases didn't have Naboo. Yeah, and then, yeah. So I guess it would have been that one. Yeah, the nineties right. release didn't have Naboo, but in two thousand four they released uh, it with Naboo. I think it's I think it's great. The only issues I have with it being with Naboo being in this movie is that Naboo should have been uh, the planet they blew up in the Alderaan. Yeah, so it shouldn't still exist. Um, no, that's true. Much less look exactly the same as it did in the Phantom Menace. Um, 
And it just kind of serves to remind us that all these other planets we learn in the world building of the prequels were still out there during this saga we just watched and really not having any impact on it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a a blurry spot. I'm going to ask you a controversial question. Okay. And what's your favorite era in Star Wars? My favorite, uh, like in terms of movies? No. What's your favorite era in Star Wars? In, in terms of which time period do you enjoy the potential for stories from? I don't. I still don't know if I totally understand the question, but I, th- I think my answer is Christmas 2015. No, that's not at all what I was asking. Sorry. Um, okay, how do I reword this? What is your favorite era within Star Wars chronological... Uh, uh, the chronological order of Star Wars, starting yeah. back in the era of okay. the Phantom Menace and the Old Republic, what, and what, in, in what the age Clone of the Wars, universe? yeah, and like the Empire, and like what, uh, the Resistance Age and the First Order. Like, what's your favorite era in Star Wars? Uh, I mean, it's definitely before the original trilogy. I, I mean, I like a, I like a, a well Jedi'd galaxy. Um, but I'm not crazy about the the heavily politicized Jedi Council either. So I mean, I guess Old Republic. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that's kind of a, a typical video gamer answer. Yeah, but that's an error. That's an answer for actually a lot of people who were uh, fans of the expanded universe. Yeah, a lot of people would answer it that way. For me, it's the Clone Wars. Oh well, sure. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah, uh, as much as I prefer the movies of the sequel and original trilogy to the prequels. The era, the Clone Wars, hands down. I yeah. absolutely love it. You know a lot more about it than... You know so much about it. Uh, I do love some of the political elements. Anakin in the Clone Wars is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, you still have Obi-Wan in his prime. You have characters like Mace Windu brought in who are phenomenal characters. Qui-Gon, the Emp- like Palpatine. I prefer Palpatine to the Emperor. Palpatine is one of the best characters in Star Wars. Well, uh, yes. And it, it, it just... That era has so much to offer, and I find that a lot of people, and I get why a lot of people like uh, the time of the rebellion and the empire, but I just I think there there are so many opportunities in the Clone War and the prequel era, and I'm so so damn excited that that's what Disney is shifting to. Yeah, because at Comic Con this past week, everything Star Wars released was prequels related everything interesting and i'm so stoked by that so i mean we're going to talk a lot about the clone wars being saved but what else do you mean so i'll i'll rhyme off a couple things here uh there is uh obviously the clone wars is back we're going to talk about that but a couple books so thrawn alliances great uh, that's a book it came out on tuesday uh which is today because we're filming on tuesday Mm -hmm. we're recording on tuesdays but this podcast come out on thursday so you can go out and get that book now and that book is the sequel to the first Thrawn book uh, that Timothy Zahn wrote in this new canon book series. And in Thrawn Alliances, it's told in two different time periods. Timothy Zahn is head novelist for Star Wars. Uh, he is the pioneer novelist for Star Wars. So Timothy okay. Zahn was the first uh, author to write a Star Wars book. Okay. The, and he really, like, he created Thrawn. He created Mara Jade. He, he really, he invented almost the expanded universe. He yeah. basically did. It's been his whole career. Yeah. Like, yeah. he created Coruscant. Cool. Yeah. 
Like cool. He's been doing this a long ass time. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say he created Coruscant. Coruscant was a created notion of George Lucas. He was the first person to bring it to Star Wars. Okay. So he, he, he played around on it first. Even, yes. Even before Phantom Menace. Exactly. Wow. So there are very cool things like that. Timothy Zahn, like he, so he's, he's brilliant. And what I'm thrilled for is we're getting a Thrawn book yep. where he has to work with Vader. The Emperor is making him work with Vader. Better yet, the other half of the book, Palpatine is making Thrawn work with Anakin. Wow. So I am stoked for that. They yeah. tell it in the two different eras. So that'll be super awesome. Another book that's coming out is called Queen's Shadow. Okay. Uh, so it's by E.K. Johnston, okay. who wrote the Ahsoka book. Uh, and it is about Padme. Right. So it's about her transition from queen to senator. Okay, great. And so that comes out in March. We need to have a little bit yes, more we extra need to stuff have a about Padme. Padme book. Yeah. It's about friggin' time. Kind of is, isn't it? I mean, when you think about all the way that they've explored uh, these other characters, like, for example, Ahsoka having a book before Padme. And that, um, like, you have these characters like Rey and Jyn Erso and Leia, like all these other strong female characters. And Padme's really never been brought back up. And because she's the strong female character from the prequels, and the prequels have kind of been avoided, she's been kind of avoided as a result. Well, the character so. suffered from bad writing. and, and so oh, big did, time. So did young Anakin Skywalker, but he was unavoidable. Mm. So they had to develop him. But you could kind of push uh, Amidala, Padme Amidala to the side mm -hmm. because it was easier. Yeah. Absolutely. And another book, which I am landslides the most excited for, and I'm super excited for Thrawn Alliances, but this one by Claudia Gray, who is on a roll with Star Wars books, uh, Bloodline, uh, Leia of Alderaan, Lost Stars. So her books are becoming probably the best received in the Star Wars community. And her next book is called Master and Apprentice. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Oh, thank God. I am so excited thank for God. this. Thank God. That sounds great. That sound, like that is a book I just want to crack open That's my now. childhood. Yeah. That is what we grew up on. Yeah. Like The Phantom Menace, as much as those movies weren't good, that's the reason why probably The Clone Wars is my favorite era. It's because it's that prequel era, but it's when the best part of the prequels is. and It's just better storytelling in that world that's your childhood. Exactly. It's, yeah. that, that's the best way of putting it. It's better storytelling in my childhood. Oh, that's a great way of describing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I, I would be curious to read that. When does that come out? Uh, that one comes out in February. Okay, now for a while. Yeah. So I've definitely got a long list of books I've got to get through. Yeah, you got a lot of reading to do. Yeah, I've got to get caught up on that, but I'm excited. So it was poor timing uh, for us, but <laughs> we put the podcast out, or we were about to put the podcast out, and they announced the salvation of the Clone Wars. So let me see if I have this right, because of course you're very learned in it. Uh, they're doing this show, The Clone Wars, under Lucasfilm. It's canon. They're doing it for like seven years. And when Disney acquires Lucasfilm, they very quickly cancel the Clone Wars so they can create a similar show, which is Rebels. And people who had been watching the Clone Wars felt kind of jilted by that because the story wasn't finished. Very close. Okay. Yeah, so they had done five seasons. All right. And it was a Lucasfilm production. There was no such thing as canon at that time. Okay. So everything was a Star Wars property. Right. Uh, it was on Cartoon Network. Uh, it was hated at the start. Uh, because the movie was garbage, right? And the first, like, first season of the Clone Wars is a little rough. There are a couple good points. And second season, there's more good points, and it's still a little rough. And it hits its, thri its stride in the third season. And the third, fourth, and fifth seasons are all incredible. 
And then, like you said, Disney purchases Lucasfilm, and they cancel it to make their own show to Rebels, kind of reintroducing that original trilogy era, wanting to kind of make their own mark. Uh, Dave Filoni was brought over and said, okay, no more Clone Wars. This is your new project. Uh, but They paid this, him a lot of money not to be too mad about it. Well, I mean, Dave Filoni, this is... this was a massive career opportunity for him. I mean, he was already part of that Lucasfilm group and the Disney purchase just stimulated that company. So this was just an opportunity for him to have so much more work moving forward that of course you're going to do it. Uh, but this is, was a great, but he still had those episodes. So yeah. he had still written yeah. episodes of season six and seven and eight. So they released part of season six on DVD uh, and on Netflix Uh, They called them the Lost Missions. They didn't even call it Season 6. And then there were still some that were just floating out there in the world. Uh, You could find kind of like rendered versions of some of the episodes. Really rough cuts. Yeah, and you could find uh, a couple of those arcs, but you couldn't find all of them. Uh, They turned some of the Maul episodes into a comic book, Sons of Dathomir. uh, Or sorry, Son of Dathomir. And that book, uh, that comic book, that that did well. uh, But I don't think they'll necessarily be bringing that storyline back. Uh, because what they're bringing back is 12 episodes. Right. So we're going to get 12 episodes. So they kind of consolidated those last two seasons yeah, into and 12 tight, sick episodes. Exactly. So Dark Disciple, was it going to be an eight-episode sep- eight arc? Made a novel out of it. Phenomenal novel. It's my favorite Star Wars novel I've read thus far. Okay. They won't be giving us those eight episodes. Three or four episodes for Son of Dathomir, they won't be giving us that. Uh, so like, there's a couple ones that they won't do. We'll very likely see Boba Fett getting his traditional armor. Uh, We may see the potential death of a favorite character in Clone Wars. Ooh. Uh, Someone that uh, Cad Bane, he didn't make it through, uh, uh, obviously, until the original trilogy era, so people have been curious to know potentially what happened to him. It was that Boba Fett kills him in uh, in one of the lost episodes of the Clone Wars, so we may get that back and get an actual canon death for Cad Bane. Now, I heard it is believed that these 12 episodes will end uh, book-ending the beginning of the movie Revenge of the Sith a la Rogue One A New Hope. They will 100%. That's so exciting. 100%. That was always the plan. See, that's really cool, but it's also different because the mediums look different. Yeah. Well, because it was always the plan, and it's really interesting. The start of Ahsoka it involves Ahsoka on Mandalore, and she's fighting Maul, and this is happening during Order 66. Okay. So she's on a planet that is not governed by the Empire uh, and is not part of the Republic. So Order 66, and she's what's not that? a uh, Mandalore. No, what's Order 66? Just kidding. <laughs> so Order 66 is happening, but she's no longer a Jedi. It's not part of the Republic, that planet. So she's kind of in the ideal place. Mm-hmm. And so because she's there, uh, her and Rex, uh, who was Anakin's uh, captain in his, uh, clone ar- in his clone army, uh, they both fake each other's death, and then they go off, and that's the start of the book Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they're there uh, helping the Mandalorians, Ahsoka does call for backup right before that. She calls for backup from Anakin and Obi-Wan, and they come and they help but they are called away to go rescue Palpatine. Ah. So that is going to be the final arc we're going to see in these 12 episodes. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's called Siege of Mandalore or something. Um, I can't remember. But 
there's going to be a focus on those Mandalore episodes. It'll wrap up the Ahsoka story that leads perfectly into that book. It'll wrap up Rex's story that leads perfectly into Rebels. And it'll wrap up Anakin and Obi-Wan that leads perfectly into Revenge of the Sith. It's the storylines that we've been needing for years and years. It could not be more exciting. That is great. It really is. Okay. Well, I'm 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 really psyched about it. And I you promised that you would send me some episodes that I want to because I don't know if I have the time to watch like two full series of television. But yeah, no, that's fair. But yeah. I'll handpick the ones that'll make it so that you'll want to watch everything on my list, and then you'll watch the bad ones too. Now these are not coming until Disney releases their private streaming service, which is not until 2019. Yep. So that's going to get people hyped for episode nine. And there's going to be a couple Star Wars TV shows. So that's going to be crazy. We're going to have Resistance. We're going to have Clone Wars back for 12 episodes. I would love it if we got more than 12 episodes, but we won't. Uh, No. It's a shame. And Rebels is done now, too. Rebels is done. And they're starting this new show, which is kind of, at least, it appears to be a bit juvenile. It appears to be younger. It appears to be younger, like, target. So if the Clone Wars is just below live action... Uh, then in Rebels is just below Clone Wars. I'm expecting another dip down. To be but fair, still hopefully above Forces of Destiny. To be fair, the Star Wars movies, uh, save Solo, have been much more dark and adult than the prequel trilogy, and so it, minus the slaughtering g- of younglings. Minus the slaughtering of younglings for sure. Uh, so they might want to make sure they hold on to that young audience. Yeah, I, and that and that's the point is. Uh, you can't create a show like Rebels that if you're targeting a younger crowd, uh, you can't have it be ten like a, a ten season show. No, kids age at different rates, and not everybody is going to be like me who watches this in their mid twenties. Right, they do have a large target that they're going for that is like six and seven year olds generally. Yes. What else? Anything more in the news? Uh, not too much. Uh, before I switch on to the kind of last couple points, I do just want to talk about the trailer. For a second. Okay. That trailer for Clone Wars was ridiculous. Unreal. Yeah. That was so incredible. I was I was doing my radio show and I saw it come through and I didn't really understand at first because it wasn't clear to me until I saw the word saved. Mm. I didn't really understand exactly what people were so excited about. And uh, I figured you had seen it already, but I texted you yeah. just to be sure. And you were so genuinely elated. Yeah. I was so on cloud nine. I hadn't seen it before. The second you sent it to me, I was blown away. And then I watched the trailer and I could not believe it. The fact that they're able to summarize the trailer even with an image is incredible. The Ahsoka painted clone helmet with her skin markings. Like that's just incredible. That's so cool. That gets me so jazzed. The animation's a little different. The animation's not really different. it looks a little different because the characters are all different. Okay. So the Clone Wars has, it did a change, and I think it was after season three, where they slightly updated the look of all the characters. Okay. So they made Ahsoka older, and they made Anakin's hair a little longer, mm-hmm. and they changed some of the outfits a little bit. And so it, they've done that again. They made Anakin's hair longer, Ahsoka's taller, uh, it looks more kind of in between what she looked like at the end of Clone Wars and what she looked like in Rebels. Is Ahsoka going to die in these episodes? No, 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 no. Ahsoka, her book, the end of these episodes, Yeah, like episode 12. The start of her book. Is the start of her book. Okay, great. Yeah, so that's good. Or it's going to be the start of her. It's going to lead directly into that storyline. Great, great. Yeah, so no, Ahsoka is absolutely fine. Uh, Rebels uh, and her storyline. Oh, she's in Rebels. Yeah, yeah, it's continued on through there. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, so besides Clone Wars, a couple small things. 
Uh, Greg Grunberg is coming back for episode nine. Snap Wexley. Fantastic. Who is that? Uh, he was uh, part of, uh, is it Poe's uh, Black Squadron? Okay. And so he just, he was like a Wedge of, Antilles kind of guy. Yeah, he, you would absolutely recognize yeah. who this guy is. Uh, and he was just uh, mysteriously missing from The Last Jedi. I was, I was kind of thought about it after. I was like, oh, I'm surprised I didn't see him in there. Yeah. Uh, but they explain in, in the comics as to what him and a couple of the other characters were off doing. Okay. But he'll be back in episode nine. And two other releases. We're going to get a digital release for Solo on September 14th. Well, that's pretty soon. And we're going to get a Blu-ray release on September 25th. And we are going to get a book release on September 4th. A novelization of Solo. Yes. Do you think there'll be some revelations in that? Uh, apparently they're going to go more into, obviously, Kira's character and telling sure. about her story and, I guess, her perspectives. Uh, focus on Beckett as well. That's all I've heard, that those two characters are going to be fleshed out a little bit more. I love oh, Beckett. Oh, and also uh, Han's time in the Navy. Oh, that's probably good. Which yeah. is good. It so, was a little truncated. Yeah, they just I, skipped it. I love Beckett, and I love Woody Harrelson. I'm not I'm not left with curiosities about him. No, neither but am I. But certainly of Kira. They're going to do a, a comic book for him as well, for Beckett, which is, a, I think, a, a good medium. I think it's a good medium, but at what point does it stop? Like, mm. Solo is already an origin story, and now we're going to do an origin story about a guy in the origin story? Yeah. And there's going to be a spinoff about one of the older guys in that? <laughs> This is kind of ridiculous. That's a fair point. Uh, it does get kind of down the rabbit hole when you do it that way. Yeah, but we're that's in how, the weeds here. But that is how you expand the universe. That's right. Yeah. And it's things like Clone Wars that do that the best. Mm-hmm. Like a character like Plo Koon. Do you know anything about Plo Koon? I, I know his face is scary. Yeah. Plo Koon is actually, and that's a really interesting thing that you said his face is scary. Yeah. Because there was going to be a deleted episode in the Clone Wars that was lost where it showed when Ahsoka was recruited to be a Jedi Mm -hmm. and how someone came in. It was this beautiful woman who was like a very polarizing presence and said she was going to take Ahsoka off to become a Jedi when she was a little kid. But this woman was going to sell her into slavery and Ahsoka escapes. And then Plo Koon comes, this terrifying looking, but so kind and gentle Jedi comes and he brings her. And so he was very fatherly for her and Anakin as well. The two of them were kind of her fatherly, brotherly figures. That's nice. Uh, and so he's a, he's a character you learn a lot about, and he's a, he's a wonderful character. And so when he gets shot down in Revenge of the Sith, that's so much sadder. Yeah. That's way, that's like so much sadder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so th- there's great things like that. There's people who don't have lines, uh, and you get a couple episodes about that character in The Clone Wars. So I, I, can't, I can't recommend it enough to listeners, and I think the 12 episodes coming back will get a lot of new uh, people on board who have never seen The Clone Wars before, and that just makes me excited for all of Star Wars. I am so excited to do a podcast about The Phantom Menace. Me too. Okay, coming to a smartphone near you in the next several weeks. Next week is uh, hiatus week because we take a break between uh, seasons of the podcast. We might take two weeks just because I'm moving and we'll be in a new studio, but that also might not be necessary. Yeah, we'll wait Um, and see. So just uh, keep your eye on your feed and it'll come along. That'll be uh, the first 20 minutes of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Ooh, we're going to see some cool things in there. Very, very excited. Send along your thoughts on this week's podcast. You can email us, recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, recorder66, on Twitter, and give us a rate and review on the old iTunes. And in the meantime, and until we speak again, may the Force be with you. 